0: Concentrate on two of the verses in the first four uh, verses of 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to take a look at what does it mean to be a shepherd. We started that last week and we talked about uh, the, the 23rd Psalm where it says, The Lord is, do you remember? My shepherd, what shall you do? You shall not want. You see, if he truly is our shepherd, And as a shepherd's tendency is to care for his sheep because a a sheep is a pretty, how do we put it delicately, a pretty ignorant animal. Uh, Tend to get lost, tend to not be able to feed themselves, uh, tend to uh, need reliance upon a shepherd. And so the Lord, as we learned last week, said to us clearly, I'm your shepherd. You shall not want. And so the song today was, I thought, just so beautiful. Give me Jesus. When I come to die, give me Jesus. For people who have built their life upon anything other than those three words, Jesus Christ, give me Jesus, those people I'd worry about and fret over, they need Him so desperately. We need Him so desperately. So what He calls us to be, as we're going to see in the fifth chapter of First Peter, He's called us to become shepherds, to care for one another. Critical within the family of God is our ability to shepherd one another, to care for one another. When someone is down, we need to carry and lift them up. And when someone is hurting, we need to... Help the pain. We need to be shepherds, and and with the family of God, as I mentioned last night, not everyone does the same thing. Not everyone has the same gifts. Not everybody can do what all of us together can do. And so, if we're counting on Pastor Mark to do all that is needed to be done in our church, you know, to visit the sick and go to the hospital and take care of this and do that and do this, then we'll be missing out on the best of what he has to offer for us as a, as a single man of God who wants to shepherd the flock that has been entrusted to him. And so you and I, we are also to shepherd the flock. And, and as I said last night, if, 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 we, if you're sick and, and I end up visiting you in hospital, you can bet your life you're about to die <laughs> it's not good news seeing me walk into the hospital I have been called he's, he's goner pray for the family pray for him and usually when I walk in uh, I'm a mess I'm a total mess I, I, I don't function well in that area that's not my arena where, where God has gifted me as a matter of fact when I go into the hospital and visit anyone that when I leave every, everyone feels worse true story. I walked in once, I went with, I went by myself once to the hospital and I ended up I couldn't stay in there. I got kind of nauseous and and uh, I had to go out in the, in the hallway and I, I just kind of hunched over, cried for about two minutes. Just felt so sorry for the patient, you know. I went in there another time with someone who had the gift of mercy, someone who had the gift of caring. And they walked in the room and the person we were seeing had, I think they call it janda. They're t- they're yellow. What is it? Jaundice, yellow. I went, oh! you know, like, I mean, it just it just I couldn't. I, I I looked and I I just I got nauseous again and and I had to go out and and I figured I asked one of the family, is she dying? Is she dying? What is this? And, and the, the guy I went in with had the gift of it. And he, he said, how is everybody? Oh, you're looking marvelous. He went over and gave her a hug and everybody felt better. And I'm in the hallway crying. <laughs> doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me necessarily. <laughs> but what it does mean is everybody has a niche to do what God has called them to do. And we can't expect Pastor Mark to do everything within the family of God. As a matter of fact, look with me, please, at these few verses that are just incredible. Before we read the verses, happy 4th of July. Today was the 5th, isn't it? Yesterday was the 4th. I think it's the 239th anniversary of the birth of this great nation of ours. And um, it needs help. Our nation needs help help. Uh, If I were to go visit it right now, I I would um, probably walk in the hallway and weep, thinking it's dying. And uh, we need men and women who will stand for this country and stand for what it means and and to hopefully bring it back for our children, for our grandchildren. So, (laughs) with that good news, happy Fourth of July, uh, I told you. Um, (laughs) <laughs> and I pray that you have a wonderful weekend, and that God blesses you so, so much. I want you to read with me, please, these first four verses and just marvel. You, if you've been with us at all, Peter has so laid the foundation for a family. He has so laid the foundation that we are going to go through difficulties. He says, don't think it's strange. Don't think it's strange when you go through trials. We're all going to go through them. And he says to us, therefore, in verse 1 of chapter 5, I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, he shepherd, the flock of God among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Not yet, nor yet, as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. As our church is built, we are built not upon the premise that there is just one singular person that is the elder or a group of men who are elder, but we are all, our church is built upon the premise that we all are to be shepherds, to help shepherd the flock among us. We are all needed to make this place, this church, in this community, all that God has called it to be. So you and I, all of us, have a responsibility to shepherd the flock amongst us, to care for one another. Some of you will have relationships with people that that that, that Pastor Mark or 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 some of the elders of our church will not have, and you'll be that person to be able to shepherd those amongst. Knowing in time, they when they are strengthened will perhaps have to strengthen and shepherd you through what you might be going through. We all fit together in this thing called a family of God. And so, Lord, I want to ask that you will bless us. We uh, we read the words of, of of shepherding and and caring for one another, but Father, let us take a grasp today. At how critically important that is and that it's not been just given to a chosen few it's been given to all of us to be a, a family to do the things that need with one another and to carry out our gifts so that we can do all the things that God has asked us to do within the family of God would you please open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law? And would you please move me aside so that I don't interfere, Father, with what you want to say to every single person here. Would you bless us, Father? That's the bottom line. Would you teach us your word and bless us as we are obedient to Father? Father, we give you the glory. We give you the praise. We give you everything, Father, that you so richly deserve. And We pray and we ask all these things in the most precious name that we, we can ever know. That's the name that you've given to us, Father. The name that you've given us to worship here on this earth. That is your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In verse 4, when it says the chief shepherd appears, those that title for Jesus Christ is one of the most beautiful descriptions of our Savior in all of Scripture the shepherd imagery of Jesus Christ appears in the Old Testament as well as it does in the New. Let me give you a couple of um, titles of Jesus Christ in His being a shepherd. We saw last week, we've already mentioned it, in the 23rd Psalm, the first verse, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I mean, I just love the heart of David as David explains who his shepherd is, and therefore, he says, since he is my shepherd, if you recall from last week, I therefore am his sheep, therefore I shall not want. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ says of himself, in John chapter 10, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. And he says, the good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. The writer of Hebrews in the 13th chapter, the 20th verse, calls Jesus Christ the great shepherd. It says in in verse 20 of Hebrews chapter 13, Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord And earlier, in this particular letter, in 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 25, Peter calls our Savior, Jesus Christ, the shepherd and the guardian of your soul. Jesus proudly calls himself, or allows himself, to be called in Scripture, amongst many other places, these five Names, chief shepherd, your shepherd, the good shepherd, great shepherd of the sheep, and the shepherd and guardian of your soul. With that, with those titles, just those, he then gives you and me, as believers in Jesus Christ, the title shepherd as well. As he says in verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 5, shepherd the flock of God among you. How important is this job? Years ago, Jesus called Peter and asked him, no, I think he commanded him to shepherd my sheep. The incident was one of the great in all of Scripture. Scripture. Jesus Christ had died, they buried him, and as you can only imagine, if you were there, and you, weren't a, you, you and I weren't afforded the opportunity to know what's going to happen, although Jesus Christ told them clearly he was going to raise again from the dead, but nonetheless, there he is, the one that they counted all of their hopes, all of their dreams on, and there he is, crucified, buried, dead, dead. It said that some of the disciples gave up hope. Peter decided to go back to fishing. That was his livelihood. Jesus called him to go after people. But Peter gave up and went back fishing. If you remember the story, it's in John chapter 21. It's just a great story. Peter and the disciples are back in the boat fishing and catching nothing. Here he is, this professional fisherman. He's caught nothing. Jesus, standing on the shore, as a resurrected Jesus Christ, says to him and those in the boat, cast your net on the other side. Ah, That makes no sense to me as a fisherman. I'm not being a fisherman. I mean, can't the fish swim under the boat? I mean, why cast the net on the other side? And they do. And they cast the net on the other side, and they were not able to pull in all the fish, to which John says, Peter, I think that's Jesus. To which Peter does not wait for them to row back into shore. He jumps in the water and swims to be with his Savior. They have breakfast, and after breakfast, Jesus pulls Peter aside and so the story begins and says to him these magical words. It's in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. When they had finished breakfast, verse 15 says, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? The word love there is agape, meaning to totally, completely love without expecting anything in return. Do you love me more than these? I take that to mean, do you love me more than going back to fishing? Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. The word that Peter used there was not agape for love. He used the word phileo. It means, you know I like you a lot. So Jesus said to him in 10 Tend my lambs. Jesus then said to Simon Peter the second time, Simon, Simon, son of John, do you agape? Do you love? Do you love me? And Peter said to him, Yes, Lord. You know that I love Phileo. Like you a lot. You know I like you a lot. So Jesus then looked at him and said, Then shepherd my sheep. Jesus then said in verse 17, the third t- time to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you like me a lot? He used the word phileo. He used the same word that Peter was using. Jesus Christ changed his call to love him, to meet Peter at Peter's capability to love at that moment in time. Peter, it says, was grieved because Jesus said to him the third time, do you, phileo, do you like me a lot, rather than do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I like you a lot. And Jesus said to him, then tend my sheep. Seems to me that the Bible is saying to you and to me, believers in Christ that there is a responsibility that we have amongst the family of God to shepherd one another, to care for one another, to tend to one another. Our being followers of Jesus Christ, being shepherds, is our call to care for one another. None of us here are not important or too important. We're all sheep that need to be cared for from time to time. To shepherd our Lord's sheep, the flock amongst us. To sit in the church week in and week out, and to not get involved with one another, is not what true Christianity was ever meant to be. It just isn't. Clearly, we have been called by God to shepherd and care for one another. That's why He gives us different gifts. So that your gift can fit into a situation that my gift can't fit into. And where my gift fits into a situation where yours can't fit into either. We need one another to shepherd one another. To build each other up. To, to encourage one another. So Peter and our Lord assures us that if we do care for the family of God that when we do care for the family of God, verse 4, when the chief shepherd appears, we're going to receive an unfading crown of glory. The word appears there in the Greek is P-H-A-N-E-R-O-O. It means to make manifest. It means to make clear. It means to reveal. So when Jesus Christ appears... And here, in verse 4, along with chapter 5, verse 1, the glory that is to be revealed is the reference to our Lord's second coming. He's going to be coming back again someday, hopefully soon. At which time, verse 4 tells you and me, we who shepherd the flock among us will receive an unfading crown of glory. Now, we need someone else to explain this. Because it is hard to almost impossible for me to ex- talk about receiving any reward from my Lord. I, I can't fathom it. I don't... Uh, I get it. I get it. I get what it says to me. When He tells me and He tells us that we are going to receive an unfading, unfading crown of glory, I'm not sure that I can adequately explain to you what that means. I do know this, though. I do know this. It is unfading because Paul teaches about rewards in a very clear fashion that I think all of us can understand. If you want to, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 with me for a moment. It's just two verses, though. But Paul taught us this about our rewards and their being unfading, imperishable. Watch. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, Paul talks about receiving a reward as if someone who was watching a, um, an event, a sporting event. It appears to me that Paul loved sports. Loved watching. I don't think he was much of a participant because I don't think he was much of an athlete. He wasn't, the way Scripture explains him, he wasn't built like an athlete anyways. And he says in verse 24, Do you not know that those who run in a race, they all run, but only one receives the prize? Therefore, he says to the body of Christ, run in such a way that you may win. He says in verse 25, Everyone who competes in the games, exercises self-control in all things, they then do it to receive a perishable wreath. When they win, they were given, I guess, a wreath that was made of, I don't know, what, flowers? I don't know. But it would perish. It wouldn't, wouldn't last forever. And so he says, They receive a perishable wreath, but you and I, when we run in our race in our ministry being shepherds we receive a prize he says at the end of verse 25 that is imperishable unfading folks Paul was more than likely speaking of the popular sporting games that he must have seen in Greece where athletes received prizes for winning but they received rewards and prizes that were perishable that would fade away in time and Paul must have fought Gee, I could never compete against these guys in these games, but in what I do for my Lord, I too will one day, he says, receive a reward, a crown, which is better because my reward is unfading. It is imperishable. I get that. I get it. I don't quite understand it. And I don't live my life for that but beating deep within this heart of mine is the idea of a reward that it, that gives me this this excitement if i do receive anything it's in revelation chapter 4 last book in the new testament take a look at it if you would it's only two verses again, but it's in verses 10 and 11. I love, love, love this exciting thought of if we do have a reward, what we are going to do with it. It says clearly in verse 10, the 24 elders. Now, that, that's us. The 24 elders in the Re- book of Revelation is talking about the church, believers. It says the 24 elders will fall down before Him who sits on the throne and will worship Him who lives forever and ever. Watch now. And they will cast, we will cast our crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are You, our God, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for You created all things and because of Your will they've existed and we're created. Verse 10 tells us, We will cast our crowns before the throne. For the life of me, I cannot grasp the idea that I will receive anything for what I do here on earth. Ever since the very first day my wife and I we started in ministry and serving Jesus Christ, our purpose in serving was never, ever for the reward, but only for the blessings. The blessings of serving Him. And if there be a reward that might come our way, okay, fine. But what I long to do with that reward is to cast it at His feet and say to Him amongst the myriad of people, Worthy are You, our God and our Lord. The unfading unfading crown of glory, the reward that, that is coming, and then we cast at his feet, calling him worthy, ought to be reason enough for any shepherd to desire to serve the Lord with all of their heart. The theme of future rewards has already been one of Peter's main thoughts here in 1 Peter. Look back at chapter 1. We studied it a long time ago now. But it bears, in fact, this is the time where we need to go back, look at it again, and see what, what, what it was that it said we will receive after now studying through the first four and uh, almost a half of the verses in 1 in Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 4, listen to this. Listen to what Peter said to us. We will obtain an inheritance which is, watch now, An inheritance which is imperishable. We will receive an inheritance that is undefiled. Watch now. We will receive an inheritance that will not fade away because it is reserved in heaven for you. Verse 5. This inheritance is given to you who are protected by the power of God. By Lord, people. Alex, if we were in, in, in Alabama right now, that guy would have been just strapping around that church and running and just going nuts, I bet. that That's the news that, that, that ought to make within your spirit leap. You've been protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So back to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, verse 2, really, to shepherd the flock among you is a serious, sobering responsibility that tells us that we are accountable before God for the church members amongst us, for the flock. How accountable. If you would turn with me in the Old Testament to the book of Ezekiel. Well, how do, you, uh, where do I tell you where to find that? If you go to the middle of the Bible, the uh, uh, gosh, I just turned to Ezekiel. What a great deal. <laughs> if you go to the, the, the book of Psalms like it's in the middle, it's to the right. And it's not far. You're going to go past uh, Isaiah and then, and then Jeremiah and then Ezekiel. I think you'll find it pretty easily because Ezekiel is a large book. And I want you to turn, though, to the third chapter, please. I want you to read this with me because it's critical. How important is it for you and me to shepherd the people amongst us? How important is it for us to proclaim the wonders of our God? Ezekiel, well, our Lord warns through Ezekiel, saying to son of man, verse 17 of chapter 3 of Ezekiel. Son of man. In other words, in our vernacular today, it'd be believers. Believers. I have appointed you as a watchman to the house of Israel. In our vernacular today, it would be, I have appointed you a watchman or a shepherd to the children of God. And so, our Lord makes this statement. By the way, it was uh, two Wednesdays ago that Michael uh, shared this in uh, our men's uh, breakfast and it was, such, it was so impacting to me that um, it just stuck with me. But it fit with this. But it, I wasn't sharing this because of what Michael says. I'm sharing this because of the great truth it lays out before us. So he says, I have appointed you a watchman over the house of Israel, over the children of God. He says, whenever you heard hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. Warn them. In other words, what he's saying, the Lord is saying, is what you hear me speak, tell the people what I told you. Don't pull any punches. Tell the people what I told you. And so he says in verse 18, When I say to the wicked, you're going to surely die, and you do not warn them, or you do not speak out to warn the wicked from his wicked ways that he may live. That wicked man, God says shall die in his iniquity, shall die in his sin, but his blood I'm going to require from you. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. That's, that's quite an indictment. Verse 19, Yet, if you have warned the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, or from his wicked ways, He's still going to die in his iniquity, but you have delivered yourself. Think that through. How serious is our God? See, I think sometimes we come to church and we don't take faith very seriously. We don't take what God asks of us seriously enough. He requires us to be obedient. Paul... In the New Testament, the book of Acts, says almost the same thing. Listen to Paul's words. Acts chapter 20, verse 26 and 7. Therefore, verse 26, Paul says, I testify to you on this day, I am innocent of the blood of all men. Verse 27, Paul says, For I did not shirk from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. May I say to you that as far as I know I am innocent of your blood as well and all the others that God has given my wife and me to speak to over the years that we've been in ministry. With all of my heart I have tried to give you the word of God and pulled no punches. Went through difficult passages as well as kind of easier ones. And we did not shirk here at this church away from declaring to you the whole purpose of the Word of God. We're innocent. What's expected of you and me as a church member? Let me just tell you. In Hebrews, the 13th chapter, it says you are to obey your leaders. You are submit to one another. They keep watch over your soul. It says, let them do what they do with joy and not with grief. May I say to you, as my days here wind down, you've allowed me to serve this church with joy and not with grief. Scripture wants you and me to know that God's high standard for us as a church and the rewards that we will receive in serving Him are important. And so He tells us we are the shepherd the flock of God amongst us. I want to close with this, if I may. 1 Corinthians. You can leave... You can leave uh, First Peter behind. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. One of my heroes, of course, is Paul. And Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting with verse 9, he says, We are God's fellow workers, you and me, We are God's field. We are God's building. He then says, according to the grace of God which was given to me, Paul is speaking, like a wise master builder I laid a foundation, and then he says, another is building on us. That's us. We're building upon what what Paul and the other apostles taught years ago at the time of Pentecost. And that message has never changed. You're not supposed to change. When people tell me, you know, uh, is those those all your original thoughts? I've never had an original thought for all the years I've been in ministry. I've stolen everything that I've ever taught. I've stolen it from the apostles. I've stole it from other great teachers who have passed it along from one generation to the next. And it says in verse 10, let each man be careful how he builds. On this this, the Bible. He says, no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid. That's Jesus Christ. That's true. There's no, there's no gimmicks. It's, it's not fancy. You not to jump through any extra hoops to become a believer in Jesus Christ. It's just been one foundation laid, just him, So he says in verse 12, If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each person's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each person's work. Verse 14 says, If anyone's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. There it is again. We're going to get something. But listen to the assurance of our faith. If any person's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. You might want to underline in red verse 15. It gives you the assurance of your salvation. If your work is burnt up, you'll suffer a loss, but you will be saved yet so as through fire. Verse 16 tells you this. Do you not know... That you are a temple of God. Do you not know that? That the Holy Spirit lives within you? Therefore, verse 17, If anyone destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy. That is what you are. Folks, you are a group of holy people. And as shepherds of the flock that God has given us here at the Rock Community Church, we face an intimidating task. But never fear. The Holy Spirit of God will forever guide you. And with His help and your faithful obedience, you, He will allow you and me to receive a reward that is eternal. That we will cast at His feet and shout to Him and sing to Him. And whatever it is we'll do, if we have a voice as beautiful as art, we may well sing. Worthy. Worthy are you. Our God and our Lord. But I also think the greatest reward that you will ever receive will be that statement that Jesus will say to you one day, hopefully in heaven itself, Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, when he looks you in the eye and he says these magical words, well, I forget, what is it? My what? Good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your rest. Well done, church. Well done, shepherds. Care for one another. Thank you, Father, uh, for this morning. Another great lesson from Peter that talks about us being a shepherd and caring for one another. Father, I pray for this church, everybody here that comes to know you and believes and trusts in you, that we will one day... I don't know about the rewards. I don't know, Father. I, I, I know you teach me, Lord. I just don't know. I can't fathom it. But I'd love to hear well done. I really would. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your rest. Now, Father, would you bless us wherever you might take us on this Fourth of July weekend and care for us and... and um, Let us love on one another and care for one another in our own family as well as in our church. And and bless us, Lord, please. There will be a prayer group up front. Uh, Father, for anybody that needs prayer, we would love to pray for one another. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Uh, I love you all. See you next week, I hope. Have a great Fourth of July weekend.